0: Hello and welcome to the Saturday non on South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Ken O'Gara. It is Thanksgiving week. It's rivalry week. And it's the end of the regular season. That's what happens this time of year. I don't know how I feel about it. I think I feel good. I feel
1: bad. I feel full already. But I'm excited. I'm a roller coaster of emotion. Uh, I mean, usually every week, but this week especially. But I, I mean, it's like I'm excited that... It's one of it's my favorite holiday because you get to eat until you literally fall asleep, Um,
0: and then you wake up and eat more and
1: yeah yeah yeah. and I usually do that at least once or twice a week because I like to push myself, but you know this one's like a holiday and there's football on all day,
0: yeah and there's Hawaiian rolls in the house which is always a good thing for me yeah Uh, big big Hawaiian roll guy we're gonna talk all things. Rivalry Week. We're gonna go through a bunch of those games. We're gonna talk over unders. We're gonna do picks. We've got special uh, things that we're thankful for in the SEC. We've got fourth and wrong. We've got uh, a Rivalry Week edition of it. Might mean too much. A lot of stuff to get to today. Before we get to that though, gotta talk to gotta talk to you guys about our friends over at Run Like a Champion. As you remember, we talked about them before, um, but they, Marlo, they're they're hooking you up this weekend.
1: They are. I'm excited. So. Um... This weekend, our friends at Rent Like a Champion definitely, definitely hooked us up. Uh, well, not you, sadly, because you could not attend. However.
0: I gotta be in many places, man. I gotta be in many places. And by many places, I mean at home, on my own couch, uh, writing about like a billion different things because oh. it's easier to do that from home than it, yeah, whatever.
1: I'll tell you where I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be in Tuscaloosa, Alabama uh, in our own little rental condo, beautiful place like we had in Oxford. Uh, but this weekend, I will be in Tuscaloosa for the Iron Bowl that we told you about them back in September when we stayed in Oxford for the Bemol Miss game. It was an incredible setup. It was awesome. I got an email yesterday from uh, from Nora, and she said, Hey, what kind of breakfast food do you like? Pfft. What? Top-notch service. Love it. Uh, they came through again. We will be staying in Tuscaloosa at a house thanks to Rent Like a Champion. We're staying in a three-bedroom home. How big? Three of them, dude. Not one. Not two. Not one. Not two. That's one more than I have in this apartment right now. Can't wait. Uh, and it's only a mile and a half from the stadium. So... That's walking distance for most people. Um, that is probably an Uber ride for me. Either way, mm-hmm. very close to the stadium. Uh, you could do the same thing, get hooked up like we did. If you wanna book a little last minute rivalry rivalry week trip or maybe plan your stay for the postseason bowl games, all you're gonna do is go to rentlikeachampion.com. We seriously can't recommend them enough. We had such a blast in Oxford. I know we're gonna have a blast in Tuscaloosa. It's gonna be great. Don't deal with the outrageous hotel prices to stay in a one-bedroom hotel that's 15 minutes from the stadium. Rent Like a Champion is going to take care of your entire party, and you're going to wonder how you ever stayed in a hotel room. That's true. you ever stayed in a hotel room in Tuscaloosa? Pfft, hard pass. And not got bed bugs? Well, yeah. that is not not a great sight there. So all you got to do is go to rentlikeachampion.com and see what properties they have available near your next game. Go to Rent Like a Champion, guys. You don't want to go. The only thing worse than losing to your rival is having to go back to a nights Inn. Ooh, Just, ooh. You know what I'm saying? It's not good. Not good. Run like anybody. a champion. Run yeah. like a champion.
0: Do it. Uh, we, we can't recommend them enough. We're going to be doing uh, some stuff with them over the weekend. Definitely going to want to check that out, as always. So let's talk about the game that you are going to be at. It's the Iron Bowl. It's a game that we don't expect to be very competitive because sick wait, brag. Wait, 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 wait. Well, hold on. Real, i got to get this out there. I just want to make sure that we this is known on record. I don't get many things right. So when I do get something right, the world
1: has to know about it. I got this spread right. Yeah, you, dude, you killed it. I nailed it. And what was I thinking about with the Clemson minus 14? Oh, that was horrible on your part. <laughs> that was not even close. Um, yeah, you killed the spreads this week.
0: 24 point spread, it started at, I believe, and it's gone. Um, I think it's, what is it, like 24 and a half or something? I, we're recording this yeah, one, It wasn't bounced right.
1: back and forth between 24 and a half, 25 and a half, uh, depending on what site you're looking at. I'm trying to think, you got this one right? You got. Um, Arkansas, Missouri, right? Sick brag. It actually did end up jumping up to what I've guessed, though. So it's like pretty much I won that one. Um, yeah, we killed it, man. So anyway, yeah, 24 and a half point spread. That seems like a lot. But I consider- mean, you're the genius on this. So do you think they cover?
0: Well, Alabama has not lost or has not won a game by less than 24 points this year. So there's some thinking. That is not true. But is that true? Yeah, think about it. They won no the one- Mississippi State game 24 nothing right?
1: Right. What about AM? m
0: they won by. What 22, I thought. Was that 22? I think
1: so. Because the only game they've been. Um, oh, that's the right. The only that's game right. they didn't cover the spread when they've been uh, favored by less than 25. That's right. All right.
0: So, whatever. They won every game by at least 22 points. Let's just pretend I was right about that. Um, anyone who brings up last year's game. Is just, I mean, that's just that's dumb. That's just so dumb. If if an Auburn fan is sitting there being like, you know what, last year we figured out the right way to the right way to game plan against Alabama and this, this, and this, I, I, I'm sorry, but you're you're just wrong um, for the yeah. simple fact that Tua is not Jalen Hurts and anybody in Auburn's backfield is not Carryon Johnson. And um, I, I just I I feel bad if if that's like your thing for an if you're an Auburn fan holding on to that like one of these like. Oh, you just never know when these two teams get on the field. Like, I don't know. Sometimes you just know.
1: So, here's what I'll say about that. And I agree with you to an extent. But, so first off, I don't think any Auburn fans that I've come in contact with, um, which is like three uh, total and probably in the entire year, like to stay away from them, especially this week. But I haven't heard any Auburn fans say that necessarily. What. I will say is the whole thing about, you know, anything could happen throughout the records. I've been to several iron bowls, um, where Bama had a 24 point lead in 2010 and blew it in the cam back game. Um, in 2002, and they were like a 17 point favorite lost 17, nothing. There's been several times where there's been like a big double digit spread. And like Auburn came in as the underdog and, and won outright. And I had to go home, sit there in traffic, (laughs) go to the (laughs) night's end. It was terrible. However, I don't think that is really going to happen this time. I don't think this is. I mean, that was under like Dennis Franchione, and that's not. That is not what's happening in Tuscaloosa right now.
0: Greg McElroy said that this is the fifth most intriguing game during in the SEC during rivalry week. I mean, that's that's how lopsided. That's dumb. I mean, that's that is incredibly dumb. First of all, how dare Greg McElroy say something negative about potentially something involving Alabama? Yeah, we don't we don't need that. We don't don't need that that kind of
1: negativity, Greg. You know, we could have used was more touchdown passes and that twenty-four point loss or twenty-four point win that we uh that we blew or lead. Dang it, Chris, I got all fired up now. Remind me of the twenty ten game. Regardless, I think it'll be close early on because Auburn does, especially up front on defense, they do enough things that I think they can disrupt like Bama's offensive line, maybe stop the running game a little bit. I mean, Tua hasn't looked comfortable in the month of November besides the Citadel. That this is will not true, be the Citadel.
0: That is true. Um Obviously, everybody's going to look, be looking at how healthy Tua is, if his knee is going to be totally right, because we talked about a lot about that Auburn front seven, they can get after the quarterback, they can do a lot of things that make him uncomfortable, but if this turns into one of those games where Tua hits on a couple early passes to Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and all of a sudden you're thinking to yourself, how in the world is Auburn going to come back from this? Because... Swing passes aren't exactly um, the best way to rally back from double-digit deficits. Just kind of a thought, throwing that out there. Um, Yeah, I mean, it'll get ugly.
1: I agree if that's if that's the game plan that Gus goes in with. And I keep thinking every week he's not going to do that, and then he does. Just reverses, jet sweeps, swing passes. Like it's not a great scheme uh, or plan going into, especially against Alabama. The defense is playing really well. What I will say about um, the, the 24 and a half points, even though it's like a, a big spread, this is a the team that it's like still has a lot to prove. It's a revenge game. Mm-hmm. It's at home. It's senior day. They looked like crap last week. It's the Citadel. And for the first time all season, you're having, you know, people around, I guess like in the media especially, questioning if this Alabama team is legit or as good as everyone thought they were for most of the season. And I don't think that's uh, that very really bodes well for Gus Malzon.
0: Yeah, that's. Exactly how Saban would draw it up. Let's let's yeah. let's be honest. We're 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 not talking about Alabama and you know whether or not they're going to win by forty or fifty, which is exactly the way that he likes it. They they get to play. He doesn't have to talk to talk about no. the revenge angle or anything like that. That's that's something within that locker room that's taken care of.
1: You know what scares me more than anything for for Auburn.
0: Oh, I was going to say just in general, or like for
1: Auburn. <laughs> well, spiders uh, and commitment. But you know um, what uh, scares me more than anything for Auburn. They rolled out a Heisman campaign for Tua.
0: Yeah, yeah. Took till week 13, but Alabama finally got around to it. Meanwhile, like everybody else sends out, you know, we got the, the Ed Oliver bobblehead where he was on the horse right. at the beginning of the year, and and Mackenzie Milton, they sent out lays for everybody, and, you know, the, the Heisman campaign with the Hawaii right. thing. So I guess Tua couldn't really take that, but um, because I guess Mackenzie Milton is the only quarterback who's allowed to be from Hawaii and compete for the Heisman Trophy. But... Tua's Heisman campaign is off and running. Good for him.
1: Yeah, I just, I mean, and I don't remember the last time Bama's really done that. So I kind of feel like <laughs> Tua's going to put on a show on Saturday.
0: Well, it's 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 also, I mean, you do this so that Bama Bama running back doesn't have to. You know, the the Heisman campaign writes itself. Like Derrick Henry doesn't need a Heisman campaign. Um, you know, we can go back to Mark Ingram. He didn't really need a Heisman campaign. It's right. it's pretty standard. Even though Mark Ingram was the first Bama player to win the Heisman, that's still, yeah. You but know, for
1: Saban to be, like, I guess, highlighting and um, what's what's the best way to put it?
0: Talking about individual accolades is pretty <laughs> yeah. rare for him. Showing so yeah. much love yeah.
1: to an individual on the team, especially going into uh, the Auburn week, that that <laughs> I've got to feel like he, he feels pretty confident going into this then.
0: Here's an interesting question for the quarterback on the other side. Is this Jared Sidham's last game in an Auburn uniform?
1: Yes. Well, I mean, the bowl no, game. No no, 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 no,
0: no, no. I'm including the bowl game.
1: Uh, uh, who, who is the who? Who would play in the bowl game?
0: Uh you'd have Malik Willis playing in the bowl game. Maybe Joey Gatewood. Maybe Joey Gatewood gets uh, a chance. The next <laughs> Cam Newton. Um. um
1: I, yeah. I mean, either I think this one or the next one. It definitely is. Well, it's that's like that's not my question.
0: Game. My question is: Is it this one? It's Would he situation. sit out a bowl game given his draft stock, given the fact that? We, well, I, I mean, I think he's gone to the NFL. I don't think there's any question about it. I think staying I think, yeah, another year in that really system is is, is I'd foolish. I'd say yeah.
1: I'd say. I mean, they're, if they lose this game, they're going to be seven and five. So what bowl? What bowl does that put them in? Like the Music City. If they go to Shreveport. Yeah, you better sit it out. Yeah, what's do what's, not go to
0: Shreveport. what's playing one more game behind that offensive line, which has struggled this year, playing in that system, gonna do for Jared Stidham's draft? I stock? would be I think so he's gonna, ready to go. I think he's gonna take that that extra month and, and prepare, considering that Auburn is you know not gonna be playing for anything right. special necessarily in the bowl game. So that, that's might just something out that.
1: to like a, an open field and just throw footballs like over I don't know 30, 40 yards. Um, Ooh, that'd be cool for fun because he hasn't been able to do it pretty much all year thanks to Gus.
0: I just want videos every day. Like, let's let's just have Jared Siddham get really prolific on social media and just him throwing a vortex like 67
1: <laughs> Just, just get all vortex. the videos of that. Just an Uncle Rico out in the middle of a prairie outside of his van just just crushing a vortex. Love that.
0: And at the end of every video, he just lets out this yell. Like, he's free for the first time. I love time. that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, Jared Siddham, we, we pretty much gave you all the ammo you need to not play in that bowl game, but... Uh, we'll see how this one shakes out. Let's go on to clean old-fashioned hate. You got the early scouting report <laughs> on Georgia Tech last week when you wandered into Bobby Dodd Stadium.
1: Oh, but this, yeah, this is a this is a weird one. The lines like seventeen and a half. and this is, is did like, it start at
0: like fourteen or something?
1: No, I think it. I think it started at seventeen. Oh, did it? Um, okay. No, it started at eighteen. But yeah, I mean, Tech they run the triple option. I honestly think this line's too low because of the fact that. People are taking what happened with Bam and the Citadel last week and kind of assuming it might be the same thing that happens. And, I mean, Tech has beaten Georgia in Athens the past two trips. And, and like I've said before, Paul Johnson is such an a-hole. He's just, like, (laughs) the worst person. But, I mean, yeah, like, this is a weird rivalry because, like, Tech hates Georgia. Like, legitimately hates Georgia. And Georgia just doesn't really care about Georgia Tech. So, I'm excited for it. I wish there wasn't a noon kick, but...
0: I think part of the reason for that spread too is the fact that Tech does come into this game having won six out of its last seven, and that's that's worth something. And you know they got off to such a horrible, horrible start. They were one and three to start the year, and they've been playing better. I think a lot of people. I was talking to a Georgia fan yesterday. who was like, yeah, I actually looked at a Tech schedule, and they're they're better than I thought they would be at this point of yeah. the season. Um, so there's that. There's the fact that obviously running that system, they have the number one rushing attack in the country, 354 yards a game. UGA has done pretty well against the run this year, not like unbelievable lights right. out. Number 27 in the country, I believe. So my question is, what if what if Tech just came out throwing the ball? <laughs> what, if, what if one time, one time this happened where a triple option team is like, we spent we 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 had these packages where they they spent like. Maybe twenty minutes just working on for the last month preparing right. for this game, knowing what right. it means. Just preparing like steadily, steadily, steadily. They and then kind all of like this a Washington
1: week. State Mike Mike Leach offense. Yeah. That'd be incredible. All, they're not, all not this gonna week. do that. I know they're like, not gonna like, do that, but like that is oh, that would be awesome. Be that would amazing. be awesome. And Paul Johnson, again, he's a big enough A hole to do that. Um, but here's what I'll say like they I mean, they beat Virginia Tech, but without attempting or completing a single pass. It's tough to do. That is tough to do. That is tough to do. So, I mean, Tech. Yeah, they lead the nation in rushing. But here's a stat for you: in the last four games, last four games, Tech's won four in a row by an average of ten points. Georgia has actually rushed for more yards per game by like forty yards per game wow. than Georgia Tech. So, and I mean, going off of what happened last year, I think that Tech offense and team in general wasn't as good when they got beat thirty-eight to seven. But I think for like the first time in a while, this actually means something to most of the uh, the Georgia players, because I mean losing th- losing your last two home games to Georgia Tech. I mean the disrespect for Georgia Tech by Georgia fans of the state. I, I can't even begin to describe you.
0: Yeah, there will be some people in that Georgia locker room who this matters more to than others. This is still a really young team. I'm not sure how many of those guys were even you know really playing or fixtures. I mean. Let's not forget that guys like DeAndre Swift and, and Jake Fromm were, were still seniors in high school when that last game happened.
1: Yeah, but and, regardless, they're going to come in. Right. They, they don't want to get embarrassed by the nerds from North Avenue.
0: Georgia's been so upset-proof since the start of 2017. This stat, I think, is, is, is really worth something when we talk about Georgia on a weekly basis and why they just seem... You, you never really think that they're going to stub their toe. They always come out ready to go against lesser competition. They don't really do the whole sleeper Ooh. game thing. UGA is 10-0 with an average margin of victory of 27.4 points per game against unranked Power 5 teams since 2017. Unranked Power 5 teams kind of fit the sleeper mold, and I'm not saying this is a sleeper game necessarily just because it's a rivalry game, but it is still the game before Bama with the SEC East already clinched and stuff. So I guess that narrative could be thrown out there, but I think that in itself, and Georgia's never won a game by less than 14 points by the way right in in any of those those games against unranked power five teams since it, the start of 2017 so take that for what it is but that that to me is why i look at that spread and we'll get to this later in picks but I, i'm i'm thinking georgia wins this game by three scores easy
1: and they also that's a great stat by the way i was just trying to give you an air high five. Oh, thank you thank um, you i accept they, you're welcome uh i accept so in nine of their 10 wins this season they've won by at least 17 points as well
0: so when they're so, on they're on yeah And the one game that they didn't was Auburn, and that was a 17-point game, right?
1: No, it was uh, Missouri, 14 points. Oh, that's right, that's right. right, Because the line was 14 and a half. Good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're not happy about that. No, I got that one right. Anyway, moving on.
0: Peter Burns brought up a great point about Kirby Smart that uh, I wrote about this week. And I I think we've overlooked this. We've been guilty of this. A lot of people have been guilty of this. But Kirby Smart is a potential SEC Coach of the Year candidate. He's not going to get lumped in with Ed Orgeron, Dan Mullen, and Mark Stoops. And you're giving me that look. And it's not that he's an obvious candidate. And he, I'm not even necessarily saying that he would get my vote. But just consider this: You have a vote? No, I don't. But I do have. A, we do have the preseason. The preseason vote. I
1: don't think. Do I get a postseason vote? I didn't get one last year. I don't year. know. I don't know. Every time works. we come on this podcast, you're telling me like, "Yeah, I was talking to Coach Saban earlier today." And I'm like, "What is happening right now?" Uh, texting
0: my good old friend, Nikki. Um <laughs> I think so this you, just, He wouldn't get your vote. He wouldn't necessarily get my vote, but I think... And you can get into the discussion about how that's just basically surprise coach of the year, not really coach of the year. Um, but I think this just shows... And Peter Burns pointed this out, that Georgia is such a juggernaut now that Kirby Smart is leading the number five team in the country and nobody's surprised by it at all this team started off the season at number three in the country but having to replace so much talent across the board especially in the middle of that defense and they're sitting here with it with an east title already clinched with only one loss with a chance to make the playoffs still and nobody nobody anymore is throwing kirby smart into the sec coach of the year discussion and it's much like what saban has dealt dealt with since 2010 you know he's the guy has what? 3 or 4 national titles since he's got four national titles since 2010. He's got one SEC coach of the year award. The, so right. Kirby Kirby is moving my it's point is just now. that yeah, yeah, exactly. It's expected. Kirby is moving into that territory with with Saban where you're not going to pencil him in as a candidate this late in the year. He's already moved past that and I think that just kind of shows what the new standard at Georgia is, even more so than what, you know, last year he won this award in a landslide, and it wasn't right. even close because preseason expectations were lower. But I just think that that's a testament to really what he's been able to build in the last two years.
1: So, and I agree with almost everything you said, and he really has done an incredible job. And it's, it's crazy to think from where this program was two years ago in his first season, where and a lot of people, as soon as they fired Rick and hired Kirby, I was like, oh, God, here we go because I just knew what he was going to be capable of building, with the kind of recruiter he is. and like I went the, the other state. direction. Oh, See, I, I was
0: I was making the argument of, like, big-time program, guy who's never been a head coach before, and I had big-time questions about why Georgia got rid of somebody who right. was so steady and stable and Mark Richt, and not necessarily with the upside, but I, I questioned it. I, I mean, you could go back and find some of my old tweets, and I was like, what what makes him think that Kirby Smart is is going to be the guy who's going to lead to right. prominence? And two years later, I mean, they're you know, I, yeah, I, I understand it's, it's year three, but I
1: can see like you questioning it, I guess. It's, but like Mark Richt, he was he's steady and stable. Like Mark Richt was like marrying like your high school sweetheart. It's like yeah, I'm just going to just kind of coast through here. This nine and three, eight and four record, they're going to do something to disappoint me every single year. Um, but here's a stat I'm going to throw out there: when you talk about all the loss and turnover from Kirby Smart. This is from Saban, okay? He had to replace an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, special teams coach, running backs coach, inside linebackers coach, DL coach, uh, defensive backs coach, receiver coach, quarterback coach, and 17 total players who went to the NFL last year. And they have still won every game by at least three touchdowns. So it is it's in like and I'm not saying that he should win either, but it's crazy to think how much I don't want to say they've each coach had to overcome him and Smart. But, like, what they've been able to accomplish with that kind of turnover.
0: Mark Rick's Especially favorite,
1: smart in a short period of time.
0: Mark Rick's favorite quarterback, Aaron Murray. We, we reported this back in July. Yeah. I threw this out there. Um, you did. Not to, not to get off the, the, the Kirby smart, um, uh, praising, I don't, I don't know what you want to call it. But, um, Hot train. I'm, I'm just going to say, you can go back and listen to the podcast that we did with Aaron Murray at SEC Media Days, where I basically put the bug in his ear, like, hey... You should join the Alliance of American Football. I'm just saying. And what did Aaron Murray do? He signed a deal to play with the team in Atlanta. If you want to fork over, like, I'm not asking for much, Aaron. Like, I'm really not. Like, maybe 2%, three, four tops. Um, Are you
1: going to split that? I mean, like, are you just taking all that money from from Aaron? No, I mean. It's like the State Farm agent commercial right now.
0: I'm not his agent necessarily, but, like, I was kind of his hype man to at least throw that out there where I think, you know, I I got the ball rolling with that. Yeah, I I at least deserve to be in the entourage. I mean, he's playing for the team in Atlanta, so I guess you could be in the entourage.
1: I I mean, I would love to be in his entourage. I mean, and also, like, yeah, we've been... We should go back and and do, like, a deep dive into our old predictions. Like, I mean, I'm the one that said bird scooters and Bitcoin were going to take over.
0: Yeah, that's a good point, too. Um, Let's let's go to the game that we're all going to be watching as we're waking up from our, like, late afternoon nap, early evening nap. Uh, We're going to flip on the Egg Bowl, of course, and we're going to watch... Nick Fitzgerald in his revenge game against uh, an Ole Miss team that has been probably hyping this game up for a while because you really don't have anything <laughs> else to hype up. Um, but big-time revenge game for Nick Fitzgerald. That's going to be a, a, an obvious narrative in this one. Right. Last year, the the ugly, ugly injury to the ankle, um, and Mississippi State ends up losing that game on their home field. Uh, this game being played in Oxford. Final SEC game for, for – well, final game overall for, for Jordan Tamu, our guy – and I think this has been a little bit overlooked. Yeah, he's a senior.
1: What? Yeah. He's a senior. Man. Okay. Isn't
0: that crazy? Yeah, no. I'm gonna I'm gonna Google this right now just to make sure I'm like absolutely not totally wrong. But I'm pretty yeah, I'm like almost positive.
1: Um,
0: but think about this. No? Yeah, he's a senior. That was a really good song. I appreciate you dropping that in there.
1: Goodbye,
0: Toby. Goodbye, Toby. Okay. I did my yeah. best. No, I, I, trust me. I, I love Goodbye, Toby. I don't need any reason to sing that. Whenever a coach leaves that I don't like, I pretty much put goodbye whoever into the place of it. Yeah, pretty easy. Okay. Um, so I don't think people realize Jordan Tomu was 446 passing yards away from setting an SEC single-season record. Last year we talked a lot about Drew Locke and the touchdown pass record, right. single-season mark for that. I'm not saying he's going to throw for 446 passing yards against that really good Mississippi State defense. <laughs> <it's> not, yeah. <laughs> but the fact that he is this close in a 12-game season?
1: That's crazy. That's pretty good.
0: That's yeah. pretty good. Um, and, and Jordan Tomu has, has had one of these careers that you feel bad for the guy because he hasn't been able to play with a better defense. He hasn't been able to go to a bowl game, all that stuff. But I, I think that he's I I hope that he gets his due and I hope that he people don't look back at him and they're just like oh yeah this is because this is going to be kind of the 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 period in time that Ole Miss fans are going to want to forget about but I don't think that they should forget about somebody like Jordan Tom or somebody like right. AJ Brown got guy, these guys who stayed and made this this floor a lot higher than what it could have been
1: yeah I mean he's not he's not like a Chad Kelly that came in as like a fun also polarizing figure. Um, that, you know, get you, like, big wins, like, you know, beating Bam on the road or Bill right, right. Wallace, like, you know, that 2014 run. However, like, in like, there's not been a lot of great things to kind of cling on to, um, football-wise. Not, I mean, tailgating, yes, but football-wise for all of us, not the a growth. lot of great stuff. That's the best. But, I mean, he's been one of the few bright spots, and so I don't think he'll be, I don't think it'll, like, I don't want to say tarnish his reputation at all, but I think he's, like, one of the few positives uh, from this, like, two-year span that they've had to go through. And, you know, A.J. Brown. It's been fun to watch. Like, that's been the only thing that's really kept them in games. And, you know, you know, while we're on the subject of patting ourselves on the back, who was the person that said Jordan Tomu was going to lead the SEC in passing yards? That wasn't really that good of a pr- – that wasn't that bold of a prediction, I should say. He was I, third in the odds.
0: I agreed with you on that. Oh,
1: whatever. Anyway, no, I, I think uh, this game – this is, like, one of my – Favorite rivalries in the SEC because one, it's, I mean, they hate each other. Like, they really oh, don't yeah. like each oh, other. Yeah. Um, I mean, almost, I, I forgot the exact percentage, but it's, it's a, like, I wanna say like 80% of like the rosters are from the state of Mississippi. Um, so it's always like a really fierce rivalry. Uh, it's very even. Like, listen to this stat here. In the last 10 years, <laughs> the overall record is five and five, and the point differential is an average of 27.1 to 26.9 Dang. in favor of Mississippi State. So it's a very close, very fierce rivalry. Also, it, this is like the perfect excuse, like like you said, if you're waking up for your nap, or for me, if I didn't go to sleep yet, to finally have an excuse to avoid my family at Thanksgiving. Be like, I got to go watch this Egg Bowl. I'll see you guys later.
0: What do you think that crowd's going to be like? Because we saw the the Ole Miss buy one, get one the thing. Logo. Oh They had a
1: Black Friday sale. For, oh,
0: That's not a good sign.
1: No, and I don't. I mean, I this game like they're gonna they'll get up for it, I guess, because it's a rivalry game. But I, I don't. If you're having to sell bogo tickets to the Egg Bowl, that stadium only holds like what sixty thousand.
0: If a ticket office is doing that, they're they're fearful. They're very fearful that it's going to be an empty stadium. And if this ends up being you know a half empty stadium, Mississippi State wins this game. That's the optics of that are really really bad. Now on the flip side. If Ole Miss wins this game, I'm saying I'm just saying if, hypothetically right. speaking, we're, we try and get out ahead of this, this creates some big time offseason momentum for a variety of reasons. And one, if they are able to hold Mississippi State's, uh, if they're able to hold Mississippi State's offense in check, and this ends up being like Mississippi State winning this game like 28-17, I'm just throwing that out there randomly. I maybe this game saves the staff of that old the Ole Miss defensive staff, which I think they are. <laughs> I don't know if there's anything that can save them at this point. Right. Um, I think those changes will be made. Um, as much as you know, I praise them in the beginning of the year for the job that they, they, that they did against Texas Tech. I think that you know it's pretty hard to argue with the the run game results. But I, I think that this game could create a lot of offseason momentum for Ole Miss if they're able to win this game, for the simple fact that this is finally uh going into what's going to be early signing period coming up they finally talk about this cloud that's that's been lifted and if they're all of a sudden able to get some of these you know they can that's big time bragging rights in the state we've talked about how the majority of these rosters are made up in the magnolia state that's just the way that it works and I think that Matt Luke uses this as a huge selling point to be able to say, like, look, even in a year where Mississippi State comes in as this preseason, you know, top twenty-five team, you had columnists who were saying that they were going to win ten games in a season. <laughs> um, maybe columnist singular, not plural. I think he's able to sell that big time in living rooms across that state and say, look, this is the bottom. Be be a part of this rise. And I think that if the, if you win a game like this, that kind of just shows you that you're at a much better place than maybe we thought that they were going to be. You know. Yeah. At this time last year, so that I just and wanted at the to throw that. And same time, out there.
1: you know, if I if I um, start eating like healthy and and not you know crushing Bud Lights every weekend, I'll have a six pack. Both those things could happen. They're not going to. I believe in Um, that. Mississippi State is, is as close as this rivalry's been throughout the years. Like I pointed out, this I don't think this is going to be close at all. I don't I don't see this being close at all. I mean, like first off, let's go back to the Bogo thing. If you're having like a Joseph A. Bank flash sale where it's buy one ticket, get, like, three suits free, and, like, a now, that's what I call music CD. Like, just throw it on in there as well. I That says a lot about where your fan support's going to be. I, I feel like this team, and we saw it firsthand, I, I feel like this team, especially if they get down early, will roll over. And when they have faced good defenses this year, it has not it's gone that open, well. Yeah. And, I, and I love Tamu and he's been fantastic. And they got robbed last weekend in Nashville. But this Mississippi State team... And it, who has not played well in conference games on offense? I think this is going to be Nick Fitzgerald never got his Heisman moment like Joe Moorhead was talking about before the season started. But this will be an emphatic win for him to end his career, especially after what happened last year.
0: Let's move on to LSU Texas AM, a rivalry that has been very one sided, super one sided. In fact, so one-sided that it surprised me to see that LSU, despite the fact that it has not lost to Texas A&M since the Aggies have come into the SEC, LSU is a three-point underdog
1: now. Yeah, what in the what in the hell is happening right now?
0: Obviously, the the playoff selection committee is not setting those lines because um, right. No, um, uh, that's that's a different soapbox for a different time. Um, so this game comes as one that... it's it's actually the only. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, it's the only game this weekend involving two ranked, ranked SEC uh, teams, um, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm. We'll get into this later with picks, but I want to kind of talk about just this uh, the story that Ross Dellinger for Sports Illustrated, just great work for him, uh, that he did about Jimbo Fisher potentially taking that a or the the LSU job rather uh, after the 2015 season when everybody thought that Les Miles was done. And then LSU wins that game 19-7. to 7. He gets you know carried off the field, all that stuff. And Les Miles, Les is going to stay. He's going to stay. Right. <laughs> Dellinger Ross did a great job of talking to former LSU players, guys like Will Clapp, Brandon Harris. And they were already apparently talking about how they were going to fit into Jimbo's system. Like that's how close really? this was. They had all the, you know, the negotiations were in place and everything was going to be set and... LSU players were already moving on. They were hearing so much about this internally. Les basically had like a goodbye where he told he told everybody's like, you know, it, it wasn't goodbye, but it was goodbye. Like you just kind of know. I would
1: love to hear that speech. I would
0: too. To be a fly on that wall.
1: <laughs> just listen to him sputter through a goodbye speech for like three and a half minutes.
0: So it's amazing to think about how that game, that 19-7 to game that, you know, we, we go back and we're like, all right, you know, what did that really do? how that could have changed the course of SEC history. If Jimbo had come into LSU with that roster in 2016, how talented it was. You had Leonard Fournette returning. That was a preseason top five team. It's amazing to think about what they could have become and if they could have maybe provided a better threat to the playoff. Just because we're talking about Jimbo as a guy who's been able to develop quarterbacks. We've seen the job that he's done with Kellen Mond and how he's been able to, you know, I, I understand he had his struggles at Florida State down the stretch, but... Would that have changed anything, and would LSU have been a bigger threat, you know, maybe a couple years ago than what they've been, you know, in recent memory?
1: Um, under less, yeah, I think so. Um, I think they've been great under Orgeron.
0: No, I, mean, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I, I guess I, more I, so just 2016. We're talking about 20 the 2016 team.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really. I, that's tough to say because I mean, like, there's you're still in the SEC West. I never thought he had a chance to go in there, so that's, I'm surprised that that was the... Uh, I thought he was just leveraging it for uh, higher raise like he always did. Um, so I didn't realize that had actually happened. But, yeah, I don't know if it changed like, the course of like, SEC history because, yeah, like, he's a great quarterbacks coach, and they always call him like, the quarterback whisperer. He, LSU doesn't have quarterbacks. <laughs> like, they just have not had a quarterback good enough, I think, to really win, like, go out there and win them a game against like a ranked... Team like in 2016 at least, I mean I think he would have been more competent, especially with the play calling, uh, than Les Miles was, but I don't know if it would have necessarily changed history. But that being said, they also uh, there's that phrase again. Um, that was a, that was a year where you know like where Bama, which I've said before, I thought was the best team I've, I've ever seen at Bama. Right. They were tied zero zero going uh, into the fourth quarter. So maybe yeah. I mean I, I I think they're in a better spot now with with Orgeron and than uh, Jimbo
0: I would agree with that I think it's it's really interesting to think about though the the fact that like how that would have changed this entire wrinkle because A&M you kind of thought made the move and Scott Woodward made that move because he thought he had Jimbo in his back pocket where would A&M okay. be uh where would Kevin Sumlin be like all these different things the the ripple effect that that could have had I th- I where would Ogeron be yeah, where would Trump try to be? That's, that's another great question. I um,
1: Jones just being an analyst for Bama. That'd be awesome.
0: You should definitely go check out that story um, on, on Sports Illustrated. It's really good stuff. Um, this is still a huge game for LSU. Let's get back to, to 2018. <clears throat> Massive game for LSU because you're playing for a New Year's Six Bowl. We talk about what that would mean for this team, especially going into the offseason. I think LSU has a chance to start off as a preseason top five team next year, given what they're expected to return. And this is still, you know, a huge game for a and Jimbo wants to get some momentum going into the early signing period. He already has a loaded 2019 class. And if you can end that streak yeah. in year one, that's a really, really good sign for you moving forward.
1: Yeah, agreed. Um, and again, like, when you look at the line, it's I'm, I'm shocked that they're favored, not because they're not a good football team, and they've been very, very surprising, you know, just in his first year. But, yeah, I mean, it's... If if they don't win, I don't think it really negates the success of what he was able to do in his first season. You're but talking about
0: Jimbo, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. First but
1: season. Orgeron is an underdog. And this is I feel like this is a big, big game for LSU, more so than AM, because I get wanted to get over the hump and they've lost like seven in a row and all that kind of stuff. And you're at home, finish on a strong note, all that kind of stuff. But for LSU, this is like a the cherry on top I guess like the the perfect end to a season where so many people had written them off in the beginning of the year the hot seat talk with with Coach O and all that stuff and they had a a brutal schedule and to be able to finish you know 10 and 2 and a double digit wins instead of 9 and 3 and go on the road and continue to beat this team as an underdog again this season I I think this means a lot to Coach O and uh and LSU
0: Mike Elko uh, got a little shout out from Bruce Feldman, by the way. Bruce Feldman said that Mike Elko doesn't get enough credit. You know where he does get enough credit on the SDS podcast? By yours That's right. truly. Bruce. Uh, like Bruce. Mike Elko going to hold the LSU defense to 10 points, go get a Power Five job. Think it's going to happen? No. Absolutely not. No.
1: So, and like, they've won seven in a row and, and by an average of like 14, 14.7 points. It's
0: pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. Uh, Florida, Florida State. We need to change the name of this rivalry. The sun's, the Sunshine Showdown is lame. It's it's really, really lame. The War on I-4 is a much, much better name, and that's between UCF and USF. That uh, is a
1: take that is not going to go over well with our audience. I, just I the name itself
0: is better. The War on I-4, shout out I-4. I live like two minutes from it. Yeah, luckily
1: we're recording at ten o'clock in the morning, and I can say "Sunshine Showdown." But if you've got anything to drink in you on Saturday, how are you going to say that?
0: I have no idea. It's say "Rivalry Week" and "Sunshine Showdown" ten times fast. Just no, thank you. Or like
1: "Slurshine Showdown." I'm I'm over it. I'm over it. Florida State and Florida. Yeah, there we go.
0: Florida, Florida State, Florida State, Florida. Whatever. Um, Dan Mullen is desperate to end this this skid five years in a row that the Noles have had the upper Ooh. hand in this one. Florida has gotten to 20 points just once during that <laughs> stretch. And it was last year when they didn't have McElwain, of course. Um, they had 22 points, and you know Florida State was still a disaster. Uh, do you think Florida State is able to hold Florida to less than 20
1: points yet again? No, absolutely not. First off, they're giving up 30 points a game. Yeah, they're back. Um, they are they're, they're not – so I love this line strictly because – it's based off of history, and they've lost the last five games in a row by an average of 19 points to Florida State. Um, Florida State has that whole you know 36-year bowl streak on the line, and they just came off of – Boston College wasn't ranked, but were they ranked? Yeah, They, they were, were ranked. ranked. They were ranked, Like yeah. 21st. So they, they have a one-point win against Boston College. So all of a sudden there's hope that you know, the streak is still alive for the bowl games. All that kind of stuff in their favor. When you break down the stats of what they've done this season – it is not good, and they like DeAndre Francois. I think is one of the most underrated quarterbacks and probably players in the country at quarter, uh, for FSU at quarterback. But you're talking about a team that has been outscored by over a hundred, and f- they've been outscored hundred by 150 points against ranked teams this year. Todd Grantham's going to blitz on every play. Wait, that is the wrong stat. I'm reading the wrong stat. Yeah, he's definitely going to blitz on every play because that it, offensive line is terrible. It's and, and yeah, it, they're awful. Yeah. So they they have been pretty brutal um like up front. They have the 126th ranked uh rushing offense in the country. How do you have Cam Akers and average only 86.7 rushing yards per game? How is that possible?
0: Free Cam Akers, man. That dude that dude is fun to watch. Uh, uh all the Dalvin Cook comparisons of a couple of years ago, I think were were perfectly fair and I would love to see what he can actually do with a competent offensive line. The Noles are playing for bull eligibility in this one. It's it it whatever last year I guess that was a little bit of a different story because they still had the game added on at the end um, that they you know added to their schedule to, to get to 12 so that they could play in a bowl game um, yeah but Emery Jones is gonna be somebody to watch in this one because I think Florida fans want to see I mean Florida fans obviously want to see him play um, they're excited about what the true freshman has been able to do in very limited reps. They want to hold on to the redshirt and do all that stuff. But this is this would be his fourth game to potentially play in. Um, I'm not sure if this game is going to dictate that, but I think that's something that, that Florida fans are, are going to obviously be you know watching for and kind of hoping for. I mean, I think they, they want to see as much of him as possible, and whether that's to provide a spark in a close game or if they're, you know, Playing when it's a three-touchdown game in the fourth quarter, I'm sure that they would take that too.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I just hope they don't get too cute with it and and make like end up having one of them being out of rhythm. Uh, by the way, the stat I was trying to say, they've been outscored by hundred and one total points against ranked teams. There you go. There you go. And they're averaging only ten points a game against um, against ranked teams as well. But yeah, I mean, as, as long as you don't get Felipe Franks is playing pretty well, I understand Idaho kind of they suck, but I mean, you know, I, I think they both look good. You you don't want to overthink this like make sure you go out there and get your win uh and don't create an in-game quarterback controversy because as we've seen from Felipe Franks before if he gets in his feelings it does not really go well uh for everyone around him
0: you might be a bad person to ask this question too because you have been to many Braves Braves games you live in Atlanta you're a little bit more used to it I think the war chant is one of the top two or three worst noises in sports and the it fact is. that so many different, I'm the, I, you know, we can get into the discussion about whether or not Florida State was, you know, the originators of it. Whether or not they should be they the were. only ones allowed to do it and all that stuff. Whatever. I, I know other people like to clean that, too. But I I think it's so annoying to listen to. I hate it. I can't stand it.
1: I mean, I know as an, uh, from friends that have gone to, like, to Doak and as, like, an opposing team, they they hate it because it's like.
0: It's I like every first down.
1: Well, so the that quote I was told is from somebody one time was, "It is just," and he's doing like the the tomahawk chop uh, motion. It is just this for sixty effing minutes, and it is a lot. It is, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's. I, I love it because and and Chief Osceola going out with the spear like pregame. I love that as well. But I mean, I this is not that Florida State. This is not that kind of like you know your mid '90s, early '2000s, or even under Jimbo, um, Florida State with like this swag and and kind of. Confidence going into this game where you're going to intimidate Florida. I, I, don't, I don't think this is close.
0: Florida needs this one bad, real bad. Let's do some over-unders. We've got four other games in the SEC. Um, we've got the big one in the state of Tennessee to decide who is going to a bowl game. Vandy, Tennessee, the battle for the volunteer state. How many times, Derek Mason referenced this earlier in the week, but I think his quote will probably come up um, during the broadcast. How many times are we going to hear a little brother reference on the broadcast? I set the over-under <laughs> at 2.5. Who's calling the game? That's a good question. Um, if it's
1: Jordan Rogers, it's over. It's, it's definitely over.
0: Jordan Rogers isn't getting a Vandy game, is he? Would He's, they put yeah. him on a
1: Vandy game? I'm, I'm pretty sure they've had a couple. He was at the Georgia Vandy game when he was tweeting me during the game.
0: Oh, that's right. That's right. That's why. That's um, probably why he was. He was very. He was upset in the middle of the second half. Oh, shout out to uh, who was it that uh, I can't remember who it was on SEC Network who did the rap, uh, just roasting <laughs> Jordan Rogers. That was so good. I'm blanking on the name right now, but that was incredible. And I'm so upset that we did not think of that first.
1: I, I just. You're not a good rapper. You know that.
0: I'm a rapist. You know this. <laughs> Don't want to say that word wrong. Um, um,
1: no, I, I. I would say it's definitely over two and a half. Yeah, probably.
0: Uh, how many win or go home references are we going to get in this one? Because boy eligibility is on the line. Let's not forget. We definitely won't forget that. I set the over under at four and a half.
1: Yeah, it's definitely over on that one, too. It's everything I've seen online, like on ESPN already. He's like, Derek Mason calling this a win or go home situation. Yeah, no blank. That's exactly what it is. Like, but yeah, they're going to definitely overuse that as well.
0: I would. I, I'm gonna probably take the over, but they'll find different ways to say win or go home. They'll they'll say everything's on the line or blah 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 is at stake. and That's just what we do with bowl games to make it seem. It like doesn't five get any bigger is,
1: than this. Well,
0: yeah. it does. Yeah. yeah, it does. Okay, let's move on to South Carolina Clemson. How many times are we going to hear Clemson's playoff resume referenced? I set the over under at five point five. Keep in mind that if this game gets ugly like we expect, they're going to need to fill some airtime.
1: Yeah, that is um, exactly what I was going to say. It would probably be an over. And also, they brought this up last night on the the playoff ranking show, that even if they lost, if Clemson lost to South Carolina, their strength of record would still rank seventh in the country. So I don't see this one necessarily being close. Um, If Clemson pulls away, you're not going to have a lot to talk about. So I would agree with that. Yeah, I'm
0: going to agree with that as well, that I think that they're going to have a lot of chances to talk about Clemson and whether, you know, they they were referencing, I think that was the topic of the discussion, is how close is Clemson-Alabama. And I think that's that's kind of a fair point, just because their margin of victory uh, has been so significant. And I know that Bama still has the best win in the country, and I still think that Bama has a loss to give. But I, I think that it's at least worth worth talking about because of how dominant that they've been.
1: I think Clemson is the best team in the country right now. <laughs> And I'll tell you why after this next step. Are you, are you okay? Are you feeling I'm, well? I'm, I'm, I'm being dead serious. I said before the season I thought they would win the national title, but I'm, I'll, I'll tell you why after this over-under.
0: Okay, let's do over-under Jake Bentley touchdown passes. I set it at 1.5, and I think I already regret that. I'm taking the under.
1: Yeah, I'm going to take the under. We First off, we got to start uh, disagreeing more on these picks. I know. We but, do. so... Clemson, I heard this stat earlier this week, and I think it was from Danny Cannell, so I was like, that can't be real. Um, <laughs> even, though I, even though I like Danny Cannell now. But they have given up, they have not given up a single in quote-unquote meaningful touchdown uh, where they have been up by less than 31 points since September. They have given up, in that span, over six games, they have given up three total touchdowns on defense, and the, the average amount, of, the, the, they were up by 31, um, 49, this was the 150 thing, the uh, 150 points <laughs> stat I was trying to reel, uh, reel off earlier, but they have given up by no more than 31 points, and then I think the next one was against Florida State, they were up by 49, and then the one against, uh, what is it, what is it, uh, Louisville, they were up by 60 before they gave up a touchdown.
0: So basically there hasn't been any point this year since September that Clemson fans have watched an opposing team score a touchdown
1: and then been like, oh man, this is this is close. They were up by thirty-one, forty-nine, and sixty points. Jeez. That is crazy. I mean, that is like that is insane. And and when you you know, like they've given up five total touchdowns in that span. Uh, two of them are on special teams. There's not a lot of weaknesses in this team. And Trevor Lawrence, man, as much as I argued with you about him taking over in a two-minute drill, he's been really impressive. I and mean, when you have you know, Travis Etienne out of the backfield averaging like 8.6 yards a carry. That that team, they are really good. They are really good. And I we thought both, their secondary would struggle, but they have not.
0: We both just kind of tipped our hands as to what our, our picks for this game will be. We'll get to more of that later. But uh, let's let's go to the uh, Arkansas-Mizzou game that will be Friday. Um How many references are we going to get to Cameron Curl (laughs) and Ryan Pulley? There's suspensions for fraternizing with members of the Mississippi State dance team before Saturday's game. Um, The Arkansas defensive backs who will not be playing in this game. I think this gets referenced four and a half times.
1: So I'll say under, but if Cameron Curl, one, because it's spelled with a K, doesn't transfer to Auburn after this season, or two, doesn't change uh, his nickname to Mr. steal your curl. I'm going oh. to be very, very upset with him. Dang. Shoot your shot, man. And good for y'all. Good for y'all. Uh, but I, was, I would say under because, I, I mean, I I don't know. There's probably not going to be much else to talk about, regardless. But I, I would say under.
0: Quick, quick take on this. Um, Chad Morris isn't doing this necessarily because he thinks that's a that's a fair punishment. Um, I. He probably doesn't, but he's doing this to send a loud statement at the end of the year. Hey, this is my team. I'm still trying to win over the locker room. Yeah. I still want to make this seem like we're playing relevant football. This is just a a talking point to try and basically establish his culture there. Whether you agree with it or not, it's him trying to make a statement and make an example of that I of
1: will turn people. this car around.
0: Yeah, basically he is that dad. How many flashback shots of Brett Bielema getting fired as he's walking the off the field, field. <laughs> as he's walking off the field how many shots are we gonna get of that i set the over under
1: 1.5 i yeah i i would say under i think it'll probably just be once i i hope the shots of brett bielema are him just drunkenly walking into the stadium being like what's up guys you miss me now how are you, how are you doing now chad huh
0: we didn't talk about this the other day, but we probably should have. Our idea for a Les Miles, Brett Bielema reality TV show where they just eat lunch together once a week, yeah. it can still happen. Let's let's not forget this. All he's got to do is bring Brett Bielema in as his defensive coordinator and bada-bing, bada-boom. I'm just saying. It, it happens, happens in lot. Lawrence. So let's let's oh, not forget that. Even you know,
1: though, as long as it's not in Lawrence, I don't...
0: Brett Bielema is going to be the coach-in-waiting at Kansas State. He's going to take Bill Snyder's job. <laughs> and then Les Miles and Brett Bielema are actually going to be rivals. So we could still have the, the afternoon. Well, I can't remember the name that we came up with for it. But Bielema and Les how Miles eating lunch. Would,
1: if you were the coach-in-waiting at Kansas State, what do you think the year would like? How many years would that be? Two? In, until you took over. Two years for Bill Snyder? Two more years? Like Are we saying through the 2020 how- season? How, how much longer do you think he's going to coach? That, it, this
0: is probably already out there. He's probably already had some quote where he's been like, yeah, I'm coaching until you know through the end of the 2019 season, but you can't do that because of recruiting. Right. Um, yeah, I'd say through, through next year.
1: He just signed a five-year uh, extension.
0: Yeah, you do that because of recruiting.
1: Uh, whatever, dude. I think he's going to be there at least until the year 2047. Um, moving on to the next one. Kentucky Louisville.
0: Okay, so... Um, how many times are we going to hear the reference? Oh, Kentucky still has a lot to play for. I set the over. This is our highest over under of any SEC game. I set it at seven point five.
1: Yeah, um, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say over. I agree. Actually, I'm gonna say under. I'm gonna say under because they're gonna blow Louisville out, and they'll be. I mean, they'll only say that a bunch like in the first quarter, first half.
0: No, I it think like here it is. To wrap it up. it's all the more reason to keep saying it after they've already gotten themselves a significant lead because you, you reference why they came out and played that well. Kentucky still has a lot to play for, still had a lot to play for, and that's why they, they showed up ready to go for this one. They're going to be recapping this game in the middle of the fourth quarter when Louisville's like sitting there without a point.
1: Louisville's so bad. They're so bad.
0: Poor Louisville. Poor Bobby Petrino, man. What? Said nobody ever. Yeah. Um, all right. How many times are we going to see clips of these two teams scrapping in years past? Remember we had the Lamar Jackson, Jordan Jones fight. Uh, that one was really, really interesting. Jordan Jones is he's, – he's a scary dude. I would not want to see him on a football field, that's for sure. Uh, these teams, the whole, uh, the whole, like, interstate thing, they think – you know, the fans basically treat this like it's a basketball game, kind of, sort of, not really – um, I, I set <laughs> the over under.
1: You backed off that statement pretty quick. Yeah,
0: uh, I, I set the over under for uh, that at three point five.
1: I will say under, um, just because. I, I I mean they're gonna try to figure out some way to to drum this up as like a big rivalry, like you said. But what I'm hoping for is not pass clips, but a live live clip. That's what I'm talking about. I mean rivalry game fights are the best. You remember that one uh, with South Carolina and Clemson in 2004? No, I don't. Well, Clemson's like, when they get, okay, that's very honest. When Clemson came running down the hill, like they always do every game, South Carolina just stayed at the bottom, and they had, like, an all-out melee, like, people taking off their helmets and swinging at people. Lou Holtz like, in the middle, like, stop, stop. It was was hilarious. I mean, it was not hilarious. It was dangerous. But um, I would love to see Cash Daniel get into it with somebody. Cash Daniel did
0: apologize to the Kentucky fans. I didn't like that apology. I thought that he made a fair point. I think he's just trying to save face a little bit. I get it. Whatever.
1: I How hope many he times
0: RKO's somebody in this game? He probably will. I would not put that past him. How many overall references to "No Love Lost" <laughs> will we get through the entire scope of SEC rivalry games? Keep in mind, we got nine games. Uh, I'm going to change the over/under on the fly here to. 63, so that's seven per game, an average.
1: I'm glad you put a lot of thought into that because I know that we never keep up with the actual numbers. No, we don't. Um, I'm gonna say over because the original line you said was 68 and a half, and over would be 69. So I'll I'll go with over. Nice. But like also, if they if they say this once in Vanderbilt, Tennessee, or or like Mizzou, Arkansas, I'm I'm gonna lose it.
0: I just if there if there's a drinking game for no love lost during rivalry oh, week, thoughts and prayers to you and your liver um let's talk about our good friends at sweet hop so we talked about earlier rent like a champion is hooking us up sweet hop they can hook you guys up we've talked to you about them before Uh, remember the good old days of attending the game in the student section the passion the noise the spilled drinks and long lines in the bathroom you do not need to do that anymore why you got sweet hop thanks to sweet hop you can make sitting in the rowdy section a fond memory. With the best access in Atlanta for luxury suites, Sweet Hop has insider access to the best suites at Mercedes-Benz Stadium for the SEC Championship. Get out and do that right now. You'll head right into the stadium where cold beer and catering are waiting for Ooh. you to enjoy. That sounds pretty good right about now. I know yeah, I always right say though. that.
1: Well, it's, what, what? It's 1030 in the morning. What so? <laughs> With the dogs you?
0: and tide on the field, you'll be watching the big game in style. That is the sweet Life, y'all availability and pricing at SweetHop.com slash SEC today. That's S-U-I-T-E, Hop.com slash SEC. That'd be pretty fun to do. That'd be really Yeah, fun
1: that'd do. be awesome.
0: Um, so it is Thanksgiving. Maybe you're listening to this on Thanksgiving. You're driving on the way to your rel- relative's house. You're trying yeah. to think of some talking points. You Want know that prayers. You know that moment where it comes where um, you're... Everybody looks around and it's like, let's share one thing that we're thankful for.
1: That's, I mean, I'd say family and and just, you know, friends and family. You guys have been great.
0: If you want to be bold, everybody, everybody's going to say that. Nobody needs to repeat that. And you right. want some SEC things to be thankful for. I've got five. I've got five. Okay, let's hear them. First one, obvious, Benny Snell. Snell, yeah. He's in our lives. He has made our lives better. He has made this season more entertaining from the outburst after after the loss, from, you know, the, the Snell-Yeah Heisman campaign. I think we can all agree that if Benny Snell stayed for his senior year at Kentucky, we would be better for it. <laughs> Fair <laughs> okay. point. Fair point. Um, next, and this is this one even more obvious. It's Coach o. It's Ed Talks. It's the fact that on a weekly basis, we get this character... Uh, Maybe it's a clip of him telling his entire sideline to get back. Maybe it's him squirting water into his face. Maybe it's just (laughs) him talking about um, mimosas and brunch with Marler. Whatever it is, Coach O has provided so much more entertainment than we thought possible when he took over this job for Les Miles, one of the great characters of this league left. I don't think that we possibly thought that, that Coach O could provide this level of entertainment, but he has.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. It's been the best. Like, that would yeah. probably be my number one. I don't want to like give away my, my list right now.
0: Okay. Um, so number three, uh, I thing I'm most thankful for is it might mean too much stories that you guys provide me with on a, on a weekly basis. I do really appreciate those. It makes me a little bit, I don't want to say sentimental of the SEC, but it makes me appreciate y'all even more knowing that you are willing to share your crazy with me i mean we reached out on social media channels and we'll get to this later and it might mean too much but you guys respond on twitter you respond on instagram we ask and you deliver on a weekly basis and i appreciate that i really do number two the top 25 dominance of the sec gives us stuff to talk about think about if we were talking about like the pac-12 right now and how boring that would be Uh if we had basically one team that was that was any good and the rest of this was just a complete and total disaster. Let's, let's think about how, how fortunate we are to talk about ranked teams on a weekly basis. And There's we no sh- love
1: lost out here when Cal and Utah get together. I'll tell you that much, brother. This is very true. Very true.
0: Oof. Shout out Justin Wilcox. So uh, the number one thing I'm most thankful for, and you knew this was coming. Jesus. Um, <laughs> Jesus. It's Joe Moorhead, and the fact that whenever he addresses me on the SEC to Teleconference, he always addresses me by name.
1: That is... <laughs> okay. All right, my five things that I am most thankful for. Um, let's see, five, ha- I would say memes and gifable mom- moments from this year. Like, there- I feel like there's been so many. They have them every year, but there's been so many this year with, like, the saving quote, like, so quit asking and then anything from Orgeron, we coming, we ain't backing down. Or the stuff with uh, Mullen, where he <laughs> that, that befuddled the befuddled look on his face. Oh, the that befuddled was, look is good. Yeah, yeah. That was ridiculous. Um, number four, Finebaum, Uh and and him coming back on our podcast and point. remembering me by name, yep. which was really surprising because uh, obviously I left uh, an impression on him, not necessarily a good one at all. But that was a, that was a favorite of mine. Three, Tua, without a doubt, definitely Tua. Uh, That that has been a lot of fun to watch. I will say that. Uh, Quarterback play, though, in general in the SEC, I've really enjoyed them being able to change that narrative of how there's no elite quarterbacks in the SEC. Now we got, like, hell, man, Kyle Shermer's, like, second in my weekly power rankings that change every day. So there's that. Easy to Um, Yep. Sorry, I I won't say that again. Um, Two... Let's see here. I am definitely gonna say Coach O, because Coach O has just been my favorite. <laughs> just like he, he has been such he's the gift that keeps on giving. He is fantastic. And I'm honestly I'm thankful that he's done so well this year because I feel like he really, really deserves it, especially with all the the, the stuff. Yeah, yeah, we don't want any hot seat
0: talk for Coach O. Come on. Oh, no.
1: and like it's like all the way hear. about in the offseason. So um, oh shoot, I'm already down to one. I'm gonna do one A and one B. One B is uh gambling going well it's been a lot of fun i'll say that um 1a and i'm not just saying this to be sentimental because you guys know i hate cliches and all that good stuff it is honestly our listeners and and how much fun i've had like being able to go interact and engage with audience and fans in general not just of us but like in the sec um it's uh, with twitter or instagram or you know the five-star reviews and then even like at, at games, like in person, it's been a lot of fun, and it really does mean a lot how supportive um, people have been. It's because the internet's a mean place sometimes. It can and be a very mean place. It's been it's been really awesome to see how great uh, and supportive and and consistently interactive our our audience has been. So. Do you I notice really what appreciate I did? That.
0: Do you notice what I did at the end there? That was a little Joe Moorhead alley-oop for you to save that one for the end. <laughs> Left that one just to make sure that you 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 know give a shout out to all our listeners. We we do I appreciate you
1: having more than one Joe Morehead thing.
0: Yeah, I, I whittled it down from like eight or nine. Um, Uncle Chris, let's pick some rivalry rivalry week games. Sunshine showdown, rivalry week. Can't do it. Can't do it. So.
1: We are on a little bit of a hot streak here, boys and girls. I went 15-5 and last week. Uh, went 2-0 and last night with some teasers and uh, took Western Michigan plus 7.5. I figured I had to bet on some action because today is the first day in 23 days that we don't have football on. Sad day. Regardless, we have a bunch of football on this weekend. Oh, yeah. So let's go over the lines and get your picks as well as mine uh, first off, the Egg Bowl on Thursday night, 7.30. Mississippi State is a 12-point favorite over Ole Miss. Connor, who you got?
0: Mississippi State covers, run the ball all over that that Ole Miss defense. Um, I know Ole Miss is, is still going to be trying to – they're still going to tr- show up for this one, and I think it stays close early on, but I think Mississippi State – the, they they wear them down with with the ground game. Eric Williams has a has a big game. Nick Fitzgerald, the revenge game, all that stuff. They win this game by seventeen points.
1: Yeah, so I am kind of in agreement with that. I like there's not a lot of stats that would show that um, that would support it necessarily. Uh, Mississippi State has n- not been great as a double digit favorite. Their offense has not been great. Uh, especially in conference play. Last week was, I think, going into last week, they were scoring 11.2 points per game in the conference. But I think, like we said, Nick Fitzgerald is going to absolutely, in my opinion, I think he's going to go off against this defense. And I think it's going to be one of those things where they don't take his foot off the, their foot off the gas. And this means a lot to him uh, as a senior and, of course, what happened last year. So I think Mississippi State wins and wins big. So I will take them to cover as well. Arkansas-Mizzou. Friday afternoon game, Um, used to be my favorite Friday afternoon game, LSU-Arkansas. They've replaced it with Mizzou. Mizzou's a 23-point favorite. They're daring
0: you to take Arkansas. They're daring you. But Drew Locke is going to throw the ball all over that Arkansas defense because they don't have two key members of their secondary because they were too worried about fraternizing with Mississippi State dance team members. So Drew Locke is going to allow Tigers to cover, and Dan the Jan Chavis is not going to have his best afternoon.
1: Maybe if they weren't worried about have, finding the key to those girls' hearts instead of the key. anyway, um, yeah. I this one I could not be more confused. I, I spent like thirty minutes going back and forth last night uh, over stats. That's a, that's
0: a lot of time.
1: It was that's way too time. much time. I was like, yeah. I looked up at the clock, the clock, and I was like, what in the hell have I done for the past thirty minutes? Because I'm so confused by this. I mean, Arkansas is bad. They are two and nine. Mizzou. Uh, is 8-0 in their last eight games in November. They've looked really good as of late. I mean, 23 seems like a lot of points considering the, the past two games, over the, or the past two seasons, this game has been decided by seven points total. Um, I think Arkansas is pesky enough to score late. I, I think Mizzou will put up their points, but I think Arkansas can at least put up 17 or 20, um, and they've been pretty good against the spread. So there is that. Uh, next game. Georgia Tech and Georgia. Georgia is a seventeen and a half point favorite at home.
0: I think Georgia comes off, comes out firing in this game, and it ends up being a rough afternoon for a team that just runs the ball, runs the ball, runs the ball. Georgia wins this game by four touchdowns, make a big statement, continue what they've been doing, uh, really the second half of the season, and this doesn't end up being a sleeper game at all. I think Kirby has them ready to go, no questions asked, and this is another significant victory against the Yellow Jackets.
1: Yeah, I mean, that 17-and-a-half, it's such a weird line uh, with the hook. It kind of worries me. Um, I think the biggest thing anybody is going to want to see in this is just no injuries. But, yeah, Georgia Tech coming in, they've won their last four games, like I said, by at least 10 points apiece. But last week, like I told you all, I saw – Georgia Tech got a safety and injured Virginia's quarterback and a backup quarterback wearing number 98 came in and promptly led them like on a three-play, like 85-yard drive. And if you are giving up touchdowns to a quarterback wearing number 98, that is a problem. Uh, Their pass defense is also not that great. So I think this will be pretty similar to last year, um, not maybe 38-7, to seven, but I will say Georgia wins by at least 21 uh, and covers the spread. Florida, Florida State, the sunshine celebrity, the arsonist had oddly shaped feet. Rivalry.
0: Did you just say celebrity in there? Did you slip that? Probably. In?
1: I have no idea. Yeah.
0: <laughs> six and a half six and a half seems like a lot. Um, just given the fact that I, I, I'm still just not sold on Florida's offense from a week to week basis. I, I think that this ends up being a low scoring game. I do. Um, yeah. I think Florida wins. I think Florida State covers. This ends up being like a 21-17 to, to 17 game where Florida State's offensive line is ultimately what costs
1: them a chance to win this. So, first off, this should have been one of our prop bets, is how many unsportsmanlike conduct penalties Felipe Franks is going to get in this game because of – Overrunners 1.5. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm going over because of the trash talk that's going to be happening. So, I, I agree with what you're saying. It's a rivalry game. It's, it's a very fierce rivalry game. I know that Florida State's won five in a row, like we said – by like a lot of points and they're fired up because they have that bowl streak on the line and they're at home, all of that. But this is a defense defense. that's allowed an average of 42 points per game over their last four games. Uh, the offensive line is terrible. Um, it's, I mean, again, how do you have cam makers and you, and you average 86 yards a game rushing the football. I don't think Florida is necessarily, you know, like a world beater or anything like that. But I think this is like an absolute gift of a line from Vegas, and I think Florida will cover. This is like my my pick of the week. Whoa. Yeah, boom. Um, Let's go to Tennessee and Vandy. Vandy is a a three-and-a-half-point favorite over Tennessee.
0: I heard from so many Vandy people in the preseason when I predicted them to be a three-win team, and if they double that win total, um, I'm waiting for those people to resurface because they basically were resurfacing in the middle of that Notre Dame game. Uh, yeah. Which, let's not forget, Vandy only lost that by five points, as we say every single time. <laughs> I think Tennessee wins this game, assuming Jared Garantano plays. Now, we, we he's apparently he's trending in the right direction. There's optimism that he's going to be out there. Um, but I think that Tennessee, like I said, they have not had two duds in a row. I think they got their dud out of their system last week. I like Jeremy Pruitt's ability to adjust. I think Tennessee wins this game very, very close. But... This ends up being uh, the Vols getting bragging rights back. They win and cover this game.
1: So I had that picked as well, but here's what I'll say. Um, I, well, I just don't want to agree with you on every pick. So I'm going to say Vandy wins and Tennessee will cover. T- Tennessee just does nothing that impresses me, and I and I don't really know how else to phrase that. Are we backing Gar- off
0: Jared Garantano? Is your- no,
1: Garantano's been great all year, but if he's banged up, I don't. I don't know if Keller Chris can get it done. And and, and this game, I don't. I, I don't understand how how you lose to Tennessee. I mean, I feel like losing to Tennessee is like losing a staring contest to like the dead guy from Weekend at Bernie's. It's like you're just. You don't really know what's going on. You're just like kind of staring at this lifeless body. The next thing you know, it's like, what just happened? How did I how did I lose that? Um, I like Vandy. I guess I'll take Vandy at home. Vandy has not won three in a row against Tennessee since nineteen twenty six. Fun times. Yeah. But I, I just just because you picked Tennessee, I'm gonna take Vandy. So there's that. I'll buy it down to two and a half. Um but I you I because I, I think Tennessee will, will cover the three and a half. South Carolina at Clemson. Clemson's a twenty seven point favorite.
0: Yeah, as we as we were talking about earlier, I think Clemson covers in this one. I don't I don't think it's particularly close. I think South Carolina the, the struggles against ranked teams continue in this one. Uh, Will Muschamp, I mean, that's just been that's been his thing throughout his career. Like he just has not had whatever whatever it takes, whether that's offensive line play to be able to hold up for four quarters. He's not had the quarterback play. I think this ends up being a really, really rough day for South Carolina. And Clemson gets after Jake Bentley, and this ends up being, you know, one of those games that Clemson is up by like three touchdowns early in the second quarter, and you're just like, oh man, this is this, this is not the way that you draw it up. I, I'd be surprised if we saw South Carolina score a relevant touchdown in this one. Sorry,
1: Gamecock fans. I think Clemson covers. So I, I again, I'm not going to back off the fact that I think Clemson's probably the best team in um the country right now but this is a south carolina offense it's still averaging over 30 points per game so I, I think they i think clemson wins i just don't think it is by more than 27 points I, I don't i don't see them winning by four touchdowns this isn't like a statement game for them yeah they're at home but i think this means a lot more to will muschamp um <clears throat> excuse me and in South Carolina. Jake Bentley's played really well like down the stretch. Yes. He has. He has. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take South Carolina um, to cover the spread at 27, but I still think Clemson wins. Uh, let's see. Kentucky at Louisville, Kentucky's a 17 and a half point favorite.
0: I know I kind of said I, I said in when we we're doing over unders that I think Kentucky's gonna be up significantly in the second half. But maybe, 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 just maybe, Louisville covers in this game. And here's why. You're playing in a rivalry game at the end of the season. You got nothing to lose. I'm not saying I'm not. Trust me. You're giving me a look like, right. <laughs> like I just let one loose and the entire room's got to clear out. Like you're disgusted well, a, with that's me. That's a stretch, but I mean, yeah. I mean, go on though. I think that Louisville can maybe hang within two touchdowns of Kentucky, just because you you got guys that are playing for jobs next year. Yes, it's a it's a home it's a home game for Louisville. We've talked about how Kentucky has struggled to di- distance itself really from anyone. I mean, it's you know last week they only won by eleven against Middle Tennessee. So, I reluctantly I realize that betting anything on Louisville seems like a horrible idea. But I think there's a pride factor at stake here, and Louisville ends up covering the spread.
1: Um, I mean, there's definitely a pride factor at stake. I just don't think it's really going to matter as much. I'm going to throw out some numbers here. You tell me what they are. 35, 18, 21, 61, 31, and 42.
0: The age of the women that Rick Pitino <laughs> no, first has off. Been, okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. But no, no that sold.
1: is. those are the, the um, difference in points and uh, the amount... That Louisville has lost by in their last six games. It has got gotten worse uh, throughout the season. Even if you take the Kentucky or the Clemson game out, where they lost by sixty-one, they they have been very bad. And Petrino being fired, you lose by forty-two at home last week to NC State. Um, you're losing by twenty-one to Wake Forest. I mean, they, they are giving up. They've given up over fifty points, uh, an uncomfortable amount of times this season. I I like Kentucky. Even though that offense isn't that great, I think Kentucky just finishes strong and wears them out. So I would Can take we, Kentucky to cover. Poor
0: Louisville, by the way. I mean, no, what? Just a year, just like it was. It was 13 or 14 months ago that we were all talking about Louisville potentially pulling off this upset against Clemson, where Rick Pitino was wearing a skin-tight jersey of Lamar Jackson on College Game Day. And my, how the mighty have fallen.
1: I mean, yeah, yeah. And that whole game against Florida State when they won like 63 to 10 or whatever. I mean, you look at it now, and they are—they're averaging 20, 20.6 points per game on offense, and giving up forty three a game. That I mean, that is not good. So I think I think Kentucky rolls in that one. Uh, let's see, we have two more here: LSU at A and a and M is a three point favorite.
0: LSU's covering, right? I mean, LSU's winning. LSU's LSU's winning. I think LSU is still the better team. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, this spread is, is surprising me. I know I've talked up Mike Elko a lot, and I think that you can't be one-dimensional necessarily against AM, even though I guess Mississippi State kind of was. But, um, yeah, I think this game still means a lot. Coach O playing up the the respect card again, which seems weird for a team that's trying to go for its 10th win right. and potentially <clears throat> playing to get into a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, LSU is ready to go on the road, and... Um, they get after Kellen Mond. Let's not forget that nobody's been sacked. Nobody in the SEC has been sacked more than Kellen Mond this year. This is still a loaded front seven that LSU is going to have. Uh, they're going to bring the pressure. I fully expect Dave Aranda to do, th- to do that. And Joe Burrow ends up having a
1: nice win to cap off the regular season. So I really wish that we would disagree more. I'll say it again. Um, I know. I know. Looking at, at this game, like I again, shocked that they were uh, – it was even a pick at first and then now favored by three – that's, it could be one of those things where Vegas knows something, I don't know. But I would still take Orgeron over Vegas at any point. Um, I mean, a and has been one of the best teams in the country against the spread. They're 8-3 and three overall this season. They're 6-0 and oh at home. But when you look at the, the last seven games, last eight games uh, these two have played, and LSU has won seven in a row, LSU has been dominant. Um, they're winning by an average of two touchdowns, and they have been 7-1 against the spread. I just Orgeron is an underdog. Has been uh, like just lights money out. in the bank. I mean, yeah, it's, it's been lights out. Is the best way to put it. And when you again, when you take away the like the losses um, to what is it to Bama, he's his Florida, record yeah. against ranked team, Yeah, his record against ranked teams. He's he's been fantastic. So I think I think they win. Um, I don't know if they win big, but I I think they win by seven at least in cover. So last but not least, the game we will be at Auburn at Alabama. Auburn is a 24-and-a-half point underdog. What do you got?
0: Bama covers. Bama gets going early. This ends up being a game where we're reminded just how frustrating the Auburn offense is when Alabama pretty much has this snuffed out by like the start of the second quarter, and all of a sudden Auburn can't move the ball down the field. I think we see Tua have a, I don't want to call it a bounce-back game because he did against the Citadel, but a bounce-back game in SEC play at least where he gets feeling good again, the knee stays healthy, they keep him protected. That's still, obviously, priority number one in this game. Right. And I think they go into the SEC Championship coming off a very convincing win. Maybe, let's say, 31 points. Like I mean, 45-14, I don't think is that crazy.
1: So this one's tough because, like I said earlier, um, Bama is 6-1 against the spread in games. They are favored by 25 points or less this season. I... 24 and a half is a lot. And so for me, it's like I think the over-under is at uh, 50, let me see here, 52. So if you're going to tell me that Bama can win 38 to 13, I don't think that's out of the question. That's a lot of points to score on this Auburn defense, though. I don't think that Auburn's offense gets a lot going. I think this is one of those things where Gus pulls out every single trick he has, you know, double reverse passes, Onside kicks, actually attempting to throw the ball downfield, and utilizing Jared Siddham's uh, talents—I don't know—but I just I think that Bama is out to prove a point after after kind of looking not great last week, and I think they come out on fire and, and win big. So that is your Week Twelve or Week Thirteen robbery games. Uh, moving on to Fourth and Wrong, <clears throat> we only have a three this week. The first one. Is from DC Carter 2010 and JG Mason 75. It's pretty much the same question, so I threw them both in there. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? And what is the best movie trilogy to binge watch during the holidays?
0: I'm gonna show myself out before I even answer this question because you're oh already god. mad at me. I know. I haven't seen Die Hard.
1: Oh my god.
0: It's just one of those movies that's always escaped me. I I, I didn't grow up with. I didn't grow up in a in a household that particularly cared for action movies. And I realize that Connor. that's not an excuse, but that's my excuse.
1: Let me tell you something about excuses. First off, they're like, never mind. I'm not going to say that out loud. But I grew up with a single mom, and we had like the, we only had four movies, and one of them was Beaches. Well, Have I would, would argue beaches? that that gives
0: you that gives you more freedom than to watch what you actually want to watch. And I'm I was the youngest in my household. I'm not going to you know.
1: I don't know how you took that from what I said, but what I mean, if you you first off, as soon as we get off this podcast, go watch Die Hard because that's that's the most disappointing thing you said all year. Yeah, I watched um, that. Die Hard is definitely a Christmas movie. It's awesome, and and one and two, oh man, they're the best. I like honestly. I think I might like two even better. Three kind of sucks. Anyway, moving on. Um, from ZJ Whitaker on Instagram. He wait, says, wait, wait.
0: We did uh, the second part of that was best movie trilogy <clears throat> to binge watch.
1: Yeah, it's Die Hard.
0: Oh, I was gonna say Home Alone, but I guess that's Home not Alone, really a trilogy well, yeah. because one and two, <laughs> no, three, is, three is three doesn't count.
1: Bad. Three's not bad. Uh, three's bad. Okay, whatever. Um. Favorite Thanksgiving side dish? ZJ Whitaker on Instagram. I feel like we already did this one. Well, did we? Connor, we didn't have a lot of uh, submissions this week because we had an early broadcast.
0: I'm gonna do. Uh, I'm a big green bean casserole guy.
1: Yeah, same um, here.
0: No problem with that. I, green bean casserole, mashed potatoes. Those are those are money in the bank.
1: I can't believe you called me out for apparently asking the same question after you just said you'd never seen Die Hard. Anyway. I know. Last words. question from Don't Throw Up, which is the best handle ever. Um, Vanity plates, yes or no? And she spelled or he spelled yes, Y35. Uh-huh.
0: As one does. Yeah. Uh so what's a vanity plate?
1: What is who are what is going on with you today? A vanity plate, like where you spell out your like your license plate on your car that says something cool. Like mm-hmm. destiny.
0: I never heard of it called a vanity plate before.
1: That's exactly That's what thing? it's called. Huh. Oh. You got a lot of good ones in Atlanta. I'll tell you that much.
0: I'm okay with that. Um, my my mom has always done. My mom's always had Shle one. on Don't go looking for my mom's car. You won't find it. Um, what? But she's always had Shle one on the back of hers, and it's it's nice because you can recognize it in the parking lot. Uh, but other than that, so is that a
1: vanity plate?
0: I mean, she kind of she puts her nickname on the back on her license plate. So is your mom
1: what? has a vanity plate, but you didn't know what a vanity plate was.
0: I've never heard of called a vanity plate before. No. Okay.
1: All right, well, this has been a, not a, this has not been a good fourth and wrong. I'm gonna say yes, but if it's funny, not like an obnoxious one. like don't put like the two blessed I, I, that one's my, my least favorite. Um, I was uh,
0: I was going to the gym sick brag, and um, there was we were following a car and it had Mr. Hanky, like Mr. Hanky, the Christmas poo from South Park. Yeah. the guy gets out of the car and we're like, "Who in the world, like what adult?" Would yeah. have that on their license plate, and this guy was like probably mid thirties, um, not in the best shape. I mean, not to you know call out this
1: guy, but maybe he was w- Mr. Hankey because he was the. Sh-
0: oh, I see. Um, but it's still at what point do you get to where you say,
1: you know what, going
0: into a job interview, going anywhere like with a human being that's of that's your age? I just think that that's like I don't know.
1: Well, luckily, they don't have that on the uh, the interview process or resume. Um, I think I almost got one in college because we used to have Love Movie Friday. We always go to the crag, and I was going to get C-R-A and then A-I-G um, and decided that was stupid, and so instead, I got Prodigal Son tattooed on my arm like an idiot. So, anyway, speaking of bad decisions, it is time for It Might Mean Too Much. Take it away, Connor.
0: Yeah, so uh, thank you for everybody who responded on Twitter, on Instagram, uh all over the place you guys are tremendous i i do appreciate these rivalry week editions of it might mean too much uh, we got i think i put 11 in this in this story that's going to come out on friday i'm not going to get to all of them but i'll get to as many as i can here so uh one of these is uh from carolyn drover uh kentucky fan um uh, twitter handle at C underscore Drover. Uh, So two years ago, I was leaving Cardinal Stadium after the 41 to 38 game, uh, and a guy started yelling at me that they let Kentucky win because they wanted to save Stoops' job. Uh, I told him, sorry about your Heisman, and booked it. Dude started yelling and swinging randomly and started a fight in the middle of Floyd Street. When smack talk turns into an actual smack. That's what we call that. Yeah. This one uh, from Clean Old Fashioned Hate. uh, This is from... uh, Jen Carmel apple season that's, <laughs> that's uh,
1: a sick
0: vanity plate yeah uh, this person responded to you uh said i'm a uga grad who dated a georgia tech grad he thought it was a good idea to go to the game together he was so mad that tech was getting beat he left at halftime and went back to the tailgate without telling me we broke up
1: <laughs> i've left i've left somebody at like a, a music festival because i was over it but like if you're a tech fan going to the, the georgia game and you're upset they lost. Like, what were your expectations exactly.
0: exactly, that's my biggest question with that. Oh, speaking of speaking of tech and uh, speaking of tech and UGA, did you see uh, the back and forth that they had on Twitter where UGA Alumni Association basically like was trying to troll Georgia Tech and saying uh, it was an Ariana Grande tweet that oh, she yeah. said, Shh. <laughs> and then um, basically you know, long story short, Georgia Tech did not appreciate being called out um, because Georgia had said like, "I'm a rambling wreck from Georgia Tech." And yeah, use the Ariana Grande tweet. That was a bad way to explain that. But and then Georgia Tech tweeted at the UGA Alumni Association a GIF of second and twenty-six, to which Georgia responded with pretty savage response from a school that didn't even make it to a bowl game last year. Boom.
1: That's a That's perfect transition there, Connor, because we have an announcement. Big announcement about the uh, Atlanta Metro or Metro Atlanta Alumni Chapter for UGA, and that is in. I guess, what, a week and a half now, November 30th. Make sure, um, if you are in Atlanta for the SEC Championship game, we are doing a little happy hour, get-together, meet-up, uh, whatever you want to call it, at Sports & Social at The Battery in Atlanta from 6 to 9 p.m. So the Friday night before the SEC Championship game, we will be, Connor and I will both be uh, live, in attendance, doing a Q&A, doing some giveaways. we got a lot of free stuff we're going to be throwing in y'all's way, uh, talking about the big game. And, uh, and hanging out and just talking some football. So make sure you guys head on up there. It should be a lot of fun. I mean, it's just happy hour in football. It's like, yeah, that's, that's a dream come true. So we would love to see you all there. Uh, again, November 30th, uh, Friday night at the Battery in Atlanta uh, from 6 to 9 p.m. Definitely go do that.
0: Make sure that you come up to us, troll us about, uh, troll me about Mississippi State, troll Marler about, I don't know, you got a lot of things. Mizzou, second place in <laughs> the division. Um, I don't uh, know, just... Okay,
1: that's actually probably one of my better takes. Move on.
0: Anyway, we got one five-star review to get to today. Uh, this is from uh, at NH underscore gator underscore guy. Uh, subject, it's pronounced LaMichael. Um, yeah, which, as we all know, uh, had a little brain fart. Um, So this says, this is quickly becoming my favorite podcast. uh, When I need to come up for air from the Florida Gator echo chamber, these guys never disappoint. They are funny and informative in their coverage of the SEC, and clearly it just means more to them. If you're having trouble pronouncing player names such as LaMichael P. Ryan, Connor, or (laughs) I can't even pronounce that sentence right. Uh, such as Lamichael P Ryan, Connor can help you out. Chris's special effects are on point with fire alarms and sirens. That's very true. I love the interviews with Coach O, but perhaps he should be more focused on coaching and less focused on Sunday brunch. Great podcast, guys. Keep it up. Also, my mother's maiden name is Marler. Sick brag.
1: That dude just <laughs> nailed everything about our entire podcast. That was yeah, fantastic.
0: That, that pretty
1: much summed everything up. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Yes. Uh, make sure that you are following us uh, on Twitter at the, at SDS at C SDS at the SDS Pod at CJ O'Gara. Uh, Instagram at SDS. Watch Facebook Live. Watch Watch Uncle Marlar make you all the money in the world. He's going to talk gambling with you on Saturday morning from, Live Tuscaloosa, from Tuscaloosa. Right
1: from Tuscaloosa.
0: Definitely going to want to check that out. You are on a heater right now. Make sure that you are uh, following along for all things that we're gonna be doing with Rent Like a Champion this weekend. And like, I said, and like we talked about, um, make your plans to go, to, uh, go see us uh, in Atlanta a week from Friday. It's gonna be awesome. Definitely make sure that you come out and do that. So uh, make sure that you enjoy Thanksgiving as well, by the way. Eat a lot of turkey, watch a lot of football. It's the American way. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, we will talk to you on Sunday.